listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia, I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships, take your live calls, answer your emails, solve your dating dilemmas, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting, and today we are going to learn how to get rid of Mr. Wrong. That's right, we've all dated Mr. Wrong, many times thinking he may be Mr. Right, or he may end uh, end up being Mr. Right in the end eventually, but uh, usually we were wrong and he was Mr. Wrong. (laughs) So let me bring my guest on. Of course, as you may have guessed, the title of the book is Ditching Mr. Wrong, and the author is, and I hope I say this correctly, let me say it before I get him on the air, (laughs) Nicholas Aritakis. Ditching Mr. Wrong. Hey, Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Yes. So uh, let me tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we're going to get right into this, because I'm sure a lot of women want to know how to get rid of Mr. Wrong. (laughs) Okay, so with dual degrees in mathematics and electrical engineering, Nicholas Aritakis applies his analytical reasoning skills to a highly controversial subject. How to Help Smart, Single Women Save Time and Heartbreak by Learning Shortcuts to Identifying Prospective Husbands. Aritakis has appeared on ABC and Fox, been interviewed by The Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and been featured in Fortune Magazine and CNN Money, among others. So how did you come to write this book? Well, I spent a a good amount of time as a... uh as a single man and a man of means, um, probably for over 20 years of my adult life, and I was amazed by how many men um, poorly treated uh, women, and I just was amazed that women didn't see the signs. And and why do you think uh, that the uh, women let the men get away with being treated so badly? I think... um, Women make their mind up uh, far too early in a relationship that they want to make a relationship work, and they ignore a lot of the signs, and they get down a path, and they really struggle on how to sever a a relationship that's not working. Yeah, because if they feel like they've invested in it, almost like investing in a stock, and even though they see the stock is dwindling, they don't want to bail. That's absolutely correct. Right. Um, but do you think that logic works when dealing with a subject that is dominated by feelings and emotions? Well, you know, most, most people would say that it's, it's, it's difficult, and that's the challenge that I had was to try and apply, you know, my an- analytical reasoning skills and uh, logic and engineering and try and apply that to matters of the heart and to come up with a model that women could actually use 
um, you know, for early in courtship to screen out whether a guy had a potential to continue dating and to screen out in those early stages. And then once a woman became uh, involved in a man, whether it was worth making a significant effort and commitment. And that's my dating litmus test, which is a comprehensive test to really screen out whether uh, your significant other has long-term potential. Yeah, I actually took the test from your website before I got the book, and uh, I loved it because, you know, you ask questions that you don't normally think about, like um, one of the good ones I thought was, if you're ill or dying, would you entrust him to make medical decisions on your behalf? And, you know, I thought back on guys that I've dated, and I thought, you know, I, I wouldn't even trust him to make a decision of where to have dinner. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. But, um, I try and tell um, a lot of women that, uh, that I coach or that I've met in presentations or even friends is that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that when you're dating, um, particularly early in courtship, that are obvious. You know, someone that's uh, engaging, someone who's, um, you know, good-looking, someone that's uh, intelligent. Um, someone that can carry uh, your interests, but those aren't uh, really the substantive questions that you need to ask when you're looking at someone uh, for boyfriend potential, for husband potential, potentially for father potential for children you may have together. Right, and and then another question that's on the litmus test was, does he make your life easier rather than creating more work or complicating matters for you? You know, because I always tell women, okay, it's not supposed to be this hard. Someone in your life is supposed to make it easier, not harder. But it's just crazy how many people are willing to put up with someone who's bringing drama to their life and make it even harder. Yes. Um, I, I look at when, when we get into uh, some of the profiles, I actually look at um, – you know, the guy that uh, you're describing here is potentially Mr. Heavy Baggage, you know, someone that comes in uh, with problems of their own. And that's not what you're looking to find when you start off in a relationship. You know, no, um, you know, no relationship, uh, whether it be uh, romantic, uh, personal, professional, uh, is easy. Sometimes it's going to take work, but um, you don't want to be handicapped going in. And that's, that's one of the things you have, to, you have to look at all the pluses and minuses of, of an individual just like you would. Uh, anything else in your life. Right. We're actually going to talk about some of the profiles of the uh, 20 Mr. Wrongs that you have on there. But um, before that, I, I wanted to say, let's see, before you got married, were you a Mr. Wrong? You know, I, that's that's a great question. Uh -huh. I, I, um, I, I identify myself as actually the 20th profile. So to be fair to all the other men out there, um, I said as I was Mr. Noncommittal. So oh. I was a good guy, but I think for most of my um, single life, I just wasn't the right guy, and I certainly wasn't the right guy at the right time. So I was more focused on, uh, you know, personal and professional objectives, and um, you know, marriage wasn't in the in the short-term vision that I had. I was traveling the world and having a good time selfishly, and so I'm sure that a lot of the women that dated me felt I was a good guy, but I just wasn't the right guy. Right. Well, I don't know if it was selfish. I mean, that's what you wanted to do. So you know, if you didn't want to get married, you didn't have to. Yes, it worked out well for me, and uh, for the audience that may not know, is I got married the first time at 42 years old, and uh, now I have three beautiful children, four-and-a-half and three-and-a-half-year-old and daughters, and an 11-month-old boy. Oh, and how long have you been married? Six-and-a-half years. All right, so what made you finally decide to get married? Well, it's funny. I, uh, I had been serial dating for a while and having just a, a, a good time uh, in between uh, working uh, very hard and, and uh, as an executive in the high-tech world. And I met a, uh, a gal who is uh, now my wife, Ginger, 
And I met her in, in my mid-30s, and we dated casually. And then when uh, I got to my late uh, 30s and early 40s, we, we took the relationship, uh, relationship up a notch. And uh, I was ready. And I had met um, someone that I was highly compatible with, and we were on the same page of a lot of the personal and professional objectives that we had. So it was really the intersection of, you know, really my uh, maturity um, as someone, you know, for a relationship and the fact that I had established some of my goals in my career and I was now ready to share that with someone else. Okay, so then even though you had met her before, then at that time you weren't ready, so you couldn't get married before. Right. We actually dated uh, on and off for a couple of years, and then we became very close friends, and she um, was very patient with me and wanted to... uh, stay in my life, at least as a friend, while I was waiting to <laughs> settle down. And and then we had a couple of times the talk, which uh, many um, relationships endure, which is, you know, it kind of, what I like to say, is the play me or trade me. She said, we've gone uh-huh. long enough, and uh, now you need to make a decision. Are you going to make a commitment to me, or do I need to move on? Wow, I like that, play me or trade me. But see, now, from that story, the fact that, like, she was still in your life, and she, uh, kept you in as a friend, a lot of women are going to think, oh, okay, well, after I break up with him, then I'll just stay, stick around as, as his friend, hoping that he'll eventually marry me. <laughs> but it doesn't always yeah, work. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't give I wouldn't give that advice. I mean, one thing that, that the reason why my wife and I have have a very, a very good uh, relationship is that uh, we were honest with each other and at different, you know, stages of uh, our relationships. And um, she pretty much asked me pointed questions, you know, are you going to ever make a commitment to me? And I needed a little bit more time, and I took that time. And then when we did get back together, our circles brought us together again. And when she asked me um, that second uh, time around, I I was ready to make a commitment, and it wasn't very long after that I made a commitment. And we've uh, certainly enjoyed a good life together since. But I, I would not, I mean, you, you hit a, a great question, and it's always a tricky one. Mm-hmm. And I think that that decision um, of whether you wait and how long you wait for someone, it, it's predicated on, you know, really what type of honesty you have in the relationship, what type of compatibility you have, and also to some extent what your objectives are in a relationship and whether you are considering, uh, you know, marriage and having children and what ages you uh, you each are. And so there, there's... There's not a, just a regular formula for that. It, it, it needs to have some discussion. Right. Now, also at the beginning of the book, you have a page that says he's truly ready to marry when. And one of the things you said is he uh, meets his match physically, intellectually, and emotionally. So if a man meets his match, but he's not ready, is he going to let her go? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'd say, actually, that there's uh, a man's, there's two things the reason why a man won't marry you mm-hmm. is number one he's not ready mm-hmm. and number two is it's it's just not going to be you mm-hmm. uh, and you know the thing is is that if it, if it's not you if that second one then hopefully he'll be man enough to communicate that to you and and you know and let you move on and feel good about yourself and feel good about his honesty the the first one is 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 a little bit trickier because if it's if it's a guy 25 years old and he just graduated, you know, uh, from uh, business school, uh, he, he may need a few years to kind of find himself before he can offer himself up to someone else. But if he's someone 38, 40 years old, 
and uh, you've been going out for three or four years, and, and he's saying he's not ready, it, you need to make a determination where you are and uh, whether there's any uh, realistic possibility that you're going to get married to this person. So it's, it's, it's a little bit trickier, and that's why I think going through uh, the dating litmus test, at least you know um, whether there's a good probability of success if you at least align. If a guy scores exceptionally well on that test, I think it's at least worth the effort and a little bit more patience. If he doesn't, I think the question is a lot easier. Right, exactly. So let's talk about first dates then. How can a woman screen a man on the first date? So I think there's uh, there's two there's two tools that I uh, provide in the book and the related uh, website, which is mrwrong.com. Is um, the the first one is a hot prospect background check, and just you know summary points of what you look for uh, early in courtship, whether you've just met the guy and you're considering going out with him, or whether you're on that resume first date or uh, or uh, a subsequent date from that is is first of all you want to find out if he's married or in a committed relationship. I think that's that's a minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is is that you need to know what he does for a living. Mm. Um, that will give you an indication of his work ethic, his intelligence, um, a little bit about his personality. Um, the other thing is to know a little bit about his friends and family and his relationships with each of them. If a guy hangs out with a bunch of thugs, there's a good chance that he's a thug as well. So um, those are some things. Now, in the first few dates, I think there's a, there's a few other things you can look for. It's first of all, um, you know, was he polite and considerate? Did he take you to a place where you would be comfortable as a place take as opposed to taking you to a place where just he would be comfortable and he had the upper hand? Um, you know, was uh, he engaging? Was it easy to make conversation? And that's a good indication of whether there's compatibility. Did you did you get out to a, a dinner engagement with him and the night just flew and all of a sudden it was over because you had such a good time talking? Or was he really just waiting for you to finish what you had to say and just start talking about himself? Right. And um, you know, and and with that is uh, also was he was he generous? Did he make it uh, either take you to a place where you felt comfortable or was affordable or that he just offered to, to pay, particularly if he asked you out? And was there chemistry? Did you feel like you were you were connection connecting? Okay, I'm getting some interference here. I don't know if the line is yours or mine, so I'm going to um, hang up and call you right back, and we'll continue this wonderful discussion. Okay, so hold thank on. you. Don't you just hate it when there's technical issues? All right, so let's try this again. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. You can't hear the dialing anyways, the ringtone, the dial tone, so it doesn't matter. I don't have to talk over it. Let's hope it works out better this time. Hello. All right. Let's try it again this time. Hopefully it'll work out. Um, okay. So were you finished with the answer about things to look for on the first date? Because those were great things to look for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave you kind of the hot prospect background check and uh, the first date bill of rights. Okay. And also you mentioned character references. How do, how can she get character references for her date? Well, you know, one thing is is that I tell people is that in in dating is, is you want to treat it like um, like an interview. Um, if your employer or your boss uh, asks you to hire a um, an impact player for your company, uh, you're going to certainly uh, first start with the paperwork and look for their um, 
credentials, which often would be a resume. And um, you know, for for an individual that you'd be dating, it'd be it'd be comparable to finding out a little bit about them uh, by either asking someone that knows them a little bit about them, or um, going on that interview date and asking the question yourself. And the second thing that you're going to do is you're going to be in person with them and you're going to ask them questions and see if there's consistencies and to try and learn a little bit about them. And then the third one is, is you would check references just like you would a prospective hire. And um, you're going to not try and find people that they just tell you that they know. You're going to try and find people that know them independently and people can say something about them. And if they say wonderful things about them, it could give you a little bit more confidence. If they say horrible things, then you have to take note and you know try and find out if that's an aberration or if that's a consistent input. And if someone knows them really well and doesn't say anything, sometimes silence you know, speaks volumes. So you have to be careful about that as well. Okay. So then you also talk about the, um, the top 10 mistakes that single women make. I'm going to go just through uh, actually a couple of these. And we mentioned this before, actually. You said deciding to commit to a guy before getting to know him. I think that's like the number one thing because I know women have a date or two and they're like, oh, I'm in love. Yeah, they get they get smitten and they get uh, they get attracted to um, something early on, and then they start to ignore uh, signs of trouble. You know, the, the guy is 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 fun, and maybe they met him at a party, and he was the life of the party, and everyone, you know, circled around him, and he was telling jokes and just having everyone laughing. And you know, but he also was drinking a little bit, and then she goes out with them uh, a week later, and they go out to dinner, and he orders a second bottle of wine, and and the more he drinks, the funnier he gets. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week later they go out again and they realize, she starts to realize, well, this guy has a drinking problem. And, um, you know, that's why he's funny and that's probably why he doesn't have sustained relationships. So it, that's just one of, of many examples that, uh, that happen is that you really need to understand a little bit more about a guy, about his profession, about his past before you make that emotional or spiritual commitment to him or physical commitment to him. Yeah, I think maybe more women need to adopt the like wait and see attitude. It's like, okay, you look good, I'm attracted to you, but let's see who you really are. Yeah, I think you should make him uh, work for it, especially if you're, you know, it, it, it also depends what your objective is. If, if you just got out of a long relationship and you're on the dating circuit to have fun, that's, that's, that's one thing. Uh, you just have to be smart, you have to be careful. But if you really have identified someone as a prospective long-term partner and you're willing to make sacrifices for that person, it, it's different. You you need to do a lot a lot more homework. You certainly, um, I I respect when women are making the effort uh, with a significant other, but you want to be sure that before you make too many compromises on your personal or professional life, that, that this guy is is worth it. He has long term potential. Right. In fact, uh, you also of course mentioned top clues of trouble down the road. And uh, one of them is frequent job hopping. So why is that a bad sign? You know, a, a guy that can't uh, be settled down in a in a job, um, and it's always the employer's fault, and it's always the you know the boss's fault, or the politics are always against them. That person's probably going to have personality flaws, and that's going to carry over to relationships with a significant other. Um, now, that's not a panacea, um, but it certainly uh, is a good indication. Is, that, is, this, is this someone that you're going to be able to rely on? Is this someone you're going to be able to depend on? And the, the chances are is that the, the probability goes down substantially uh, when that person has trouble uh, keeping uh, continued employment. 
uh, if this is a person that continually has emotional swings and changes their mind and they've always got a, a new and better thing around the corner, that the next new and better thing might be um, another partner. So would it be also the same if they change uh, where they live a lot? Well, if they move around a lot, it just depends what type of profession they're in. If they're if they're in a in a sales position and and um, you know they're getting promoted and they're moving to different regions around the country or around the world, uh, that could be a good thing. But it does you know it does come with some sacrifices, and some compromises, um, and you need to know if that person is considerate of what is good for you, especially if you have stability in your life and you have a good career and a good support group or family. Uh, where you presently reside. So I'd be making sure that that the, the the man has scored very high on the dating litmus test, and you have a good history before uh, you know you pack and move up, uh, you know, to satisfy his career ambitions. Right. Okay. And then another clue of trouble down the road is the inability to listen. So why is that a bad thing? You know, I I know, a lot of men, and you, you'll, you'll laugh when you talk to you know to women about this, uh -huh. but a lot of men have uh, adult attention deficit disorder, mm -hmm. and um, it, it could be something clinically, um, whereas they if they actually went into a therapist, they'd get diagnosed with that. They had trouble holding their attention, or it could just be that they're just not interested, and they're really interested in one or several things. They're interested in, in the uh, intimacy part of the relationship. They're interested in having a pretty girl to, uh, to be on their side or a date for a company function. And they're not so much interested in the person per se, but they're interested in just having someone. So if they tend to not pay attention and they're not um, attentive to your needs and to what's important to you, then uh, that's a huge sign that that guy is not committed to you. If that guy thinks more about himself and less about you, it's a, it's a strong indication that you're probably not with the right guy. Oh, so what if it's the opposite? What if the guy hangs on to her every word? Well, if again, if, it's, if, if he has enough that he brings to the party and he has things to talk um, about that also are interesting, I mean, I'd be a little bit worried if, it, if he's overboard and he's so interested in you and has nothing to offer, uh -huh. um, you, know, you might find that guy boring. You might find that guy clingy. Um, but if certainly if he's attentive and he's responsive to your needs and he's engaging and he's interesting and he's fun and he holds down a good career, I think that's a wonderful thing and it's really healthy in a relationship. Okay, and then why is too much generosity too soon a problem? I didn't, I don't think that's a problem, but <laughs> I'm sure you have your reason. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Is uh, is if you don't mind me uh, diverting just a slight bit, is oh, the reason course. why I wrote the book was because the guy um, that motivated me to to uh, write it was a guy that uh, would wine and dine women and and really spoil them and lavish them, and um, later on uh, he would he would reverse that and uh, he would just be taking from them. So it was a setup. Mm. So I think you have to make sure that there's, even if it's a, it, genuinely a man of means, and that's certainly attractive for either sex to meet someone who's who's successful and, and has financial wherewithal, um, that's that's a plus as long as everything else is there. There's no question. But if, um, if, if, if the gen generosity is not sincere, if it's really pointed, towards getting uh, any, any short-term objectives, getting you to like that person, getting you to love that person, or getting you to be intimate with that other person. You have to heed those warning signs. And also, you don't want to get sucked into 
a, um, a life of luxury, a life that you wouldn't be able to sustain on your own until after there is a commitment. Because if you end up with a guy of significant means and he takes care of you and you enjoy that elevated standard of living, uh, you may compromise uh, your own financial position or your own professional endeavors. And if that relationship doesn't go forward, um, you, it's, it's really difficult to make up for that lost time that you've lost. Right. And then also, you know, a lot of time players, that's what they do. They give a lot in the beginning to get uh, the woman hooked, and then they turn things around. That's exactly right. That's one of the profiles of the mystery man. The, the more you get to know him, the more questions that you have. Right. Um, yeah, we're going to get to those profiles soon. Uh, now, what about, um, I love that you said that women should not uh, shy away from setting high standards. So why do you say that? You know, one thing that, that um, the fact that I'm not a therapist, the fact that, you know, I don't have my uh, Ph.D. in, in uh, psychology, um, I, I wanted to lean on people that were professionals. And I interviewed hundreds of women. Uh, I paid attention to hundreds of women and hundreds of men over my, uh, my dating years and then my married years and uh, made a lot of, you know, mental notes of how people uh, treated each other. But when I spoke to a handful of therapists, I said, you know, what are some of the things that you do when you find uh, one of your clients who's a woman that is in a relationship that is either toxic or is not going forward, and yet she stays in the relationship? What are the things that, that, that you counsel on? And every single one of the counselors I talked with talked about setting boundary conditions. And I went with that, and I interviewed a few of, uh, of the therapists, um, and uh, I tried to get to understand that. What they said is they said that, look, you, you need to go into a relationship, and there are certain standards that need to be upheld of how you're treated, which is if someone makes, you know, plans with you to go out on a weekend, you know, in advance, that they're not going to cancel, and you're not going to tolerate their reschedules. And there might be other things that, um, as far as how much time to spend together or being responsive to, uh, to um voicemails or phone calls or emails. And I think it's really important that you set those standards. And, and what's acceptable behavior um, in how to be treated, uh, how much time to spend? I think you need to set those standards high enough so that you're not disappointed. So let's talk about a situation that happens often that you just mentioned. Uh, so if a guy does cancel at the last minute or maybe even just blows it off, then how should the woman handle the situation? You know, I think first of all, you make a mental note and, and you see if it's if there's any justification on how you were treated. It and um, if it's if it becomes uh, repeated, mm-hmm. um, but other aspects of the relationship are are favorable, are positive, then I think you need to talk. I think you need to voice your your discontent with uh, with your significant other, and you need to make sure that it's it's not a common practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just. You know, because the thing is that if you put up with it, even though, let's say, the other aspects of the relationship were going great, but you put up with it, then what you're saying is, okay, I'm willing to put up with you canceling at the last minute or just totally disappearing and not letting me know. Yeah, you can't. You cannot support, um, you know, a really bad practice, a really bad treatment from a significant other. And if you do, then that person will get worse um, and you'll create an unhealthy situation that's not tolerable. So I think what you need to do is you need to nip it in the butt pretty early. Um, the first couple of times, especially early in a relationship, 
Um, I think it's it's okay just to make a mental note as long as it's you know it's not too difficult. I mean, obviously, if you made plans to go away to Hawaii well. for five <laughs> days, you booked flights, and he canceled on you in the last minute, then there's that's a problem. Yeah, that's a huge problem. <laughs> um, okay. Now, what else? So let's say a woman's in a relationship, but it's not going exactly, you know, the way she would like it to go. How does she know if there's hope that it's going to approve or whether she should just bail? Well, I think one thing is is is, is taking the, the dating litmus test is a, is a good indication. Um, and I give that guideline of that test for three months or ten dates, whichever comes first, and providing that you've spent enough time. And if the guy scores below 70, it's, a, it's an easy decision. If the guy scores 80 to 90 or 90 to 100, I think there's a good chance that there's some, some potential. And you have to, you have to uh, really look at the, check, the, 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 the pluses and the minuses of the relationship and determine if the pluses outweigh the minuses and, there's, and, and, and potential change can be made. Now, one thing to be mindful, and I say this uh, many times in the book, is that Men often don't change, particularly once they are in their 30s. Mm. If uh, if you're a young woman and you're going out with a young guy, he's got he's still changing, he's still growing and maturing, uh, personally, professionally, romantically, um, and he needs to get a little bit of experience in in that regard. But guys, once they're in their 30s, is what you see is what you get, whether it's good or whether it's it's bad. So. Um, Definitely be mindful of that, and you really have to have sound communications. A lot of women get really intimidated by their men, you know, sometimes when the men are older, sometimes when the men are more successful, uh, maybe even smarter or more dominant in the relationships, and they're intimidated to communicate. But you need to effectively communicate, and if you don't, then you compromise yourself for the rest of the time you're with that significant other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also because just, yeah, they shouldn't get intimidated because just because someone is older or has more money or more status, I mean, he's still a man. He's still a human being. And, um, you know, you can't just go by those things. You have to actually look at who he is. And otherwise, you know, I mean, why be with someone who's going to intimidate you to the point where you can't communicate? That's absolutely true. So, uh, and, uh, and, and some women, it's just, you know, it, it's, you know, women... A lot of women like a take-charge guy, and um, you know, but you need to have balance, particularly if you're looking at a long-term relationship where at some point you're going to need to care for each other, or should you bring uh, children into the world, either, either children that you have from a previous relationship or children that you have together. Um, it needs to be a partnership, and you know, it, you know, partnerships are not always equal. There's an imbalance. But it, the, the whole, the entirety of the relationship needs to be in good balance. You know, it may be that, that the wife, if she stays at home when she has children, she may have more of a dominant position on their education and on their health care and other areas where she has expertise. And the man, if he's working full time, um, he may have a little bit more expertise maybe on the finances and paying of the bills and, and what type of, of spending habits the, the family can sustain. So there needs to be a balance, and you need to really complement each other's uh, strengths and augment each other's weaknesses or deficiencies. You know the uh, excuse I always hear women give, you know, when I say, listen, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's doing this wrong, and they're like, yes, but I love him. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, what am I supposed to answer to that? What would yeah, you, you say? You know, women can often give sage advice to their friends in bad relationships. And then they have trouble heeding that advice themselves. And that's why, you know, it, it, it's, it's like someone that has any kind of 
malady, um, you know, uh, mental health, uh, physical, or uh, professional, is they need to have some outside intervention uh, sometimes before they really know and accept that they need help. And I think that for your girlfriends or your relatives that are in unhealthy relationships, they need to know um, that, that there's a problem and they need to get help. And once they get help, then you can support them a lot more. And, and then tools like Ditching Mr. Wrong could be of value for them to open up their eyes and for them to see that there's better prospects ahead. You know, one thing is I've heard a lot of women, like, have said, like we talked a uh, moment ago about I've invested so much time in mm -hmm. this relationship, you know, I need to keep trying. And, you know, there's also a matter of wasting time. Right. And I like to say, and the whole theme of the book is, the book isn't to slam guys. There's a lot of bad gals out there just sure. like there's a lot of bad guys. But women have more of a finite window, particularly if they have aspirations of having a family or even just with having that significant someone in their lives for a long period of time. And women tend to um, be more committal early on in a relationship than, than men, particularly men that haven't been married before. Mm -hmm. And so they really need to uh, do their homework a lot, uh, a lot uh, more thoroughly. Yes. Okay. So finally, let's talk about the uh, the Mr. Wrongs, the, the profiles that we keep alluding to. Um, I've picked out four I'd like to talk to. So the first one is uh, the younger man, because I don't know if you've read my bio or anything, but I um, actually specialize in cougar relationships, which is, of course, you know, older women with younger men. So what okay. do you say about those kind of guys? Well, the funny thing is, is that it, it's, the, the relationship with the younger man and older man, but we're going to focus on the younger man for the time being, yeah. is that um, you need to know what his expectations are in a relationship. Often an older woman will get involved with a younger man and have just a lot of fun, but she needs to make sure that the long-term goals uh, really align. And, and, you know, a lot of times that's involving family planning. And if you took a woman, for instance, who's, who's older, and as you've stated, cougars, mm -hmm. and if she already has family, then what is his position relative to family? Does he want to have children of his own, and can she still have children, and she open to having children with him? I think that conversation needs to be engaged, uh, you know, rather soon, and in courtship, particularly if it's being dialed up to another level of being exclusive and serious. And, um, you know, for him, he needs to give that consideration, and if she does already have children, whether he will accept those children as his own and treat them as his own. And that's really important. So that, that bilateral communications need to be there. You also need to, to understand is, is that it, it, you know, what the initial um, connection was. You know, was it um, emotional? Was it intellectual? Was it professional? Was it physical? And you need to make sure that there's substance to the relationship, especially if you start to go across generational relationships. You know, uh, mm -hmm. because if is if you can't enjoy watching the same TV shows or reading the same books, you know, and having the same uh, political or religious affiliation, um, and you run into a lot of things that you're incompatible about, it, it could cause problems down the road. So it's really important to explore that, particularly when it's a younger man and an older woman. Right. Okay. So let's move on to the mystery man. Of course, we all know what's wrong with him. Well, you know, there's the James Bond type, you know, uh -huh. the guy that, um, you know, maybe he works uh, in, in uh, secret service or government work. Um, there, there could be um, that he's a that he's a lit famous litigator. 
and uh, he can't talk uh, much about his, his work or his clients. Um, but there's also the guy that what I like to say is that there's more questions than answers. And, you know, as you ask him a question in the hopes of learning something substantive about him, um, the answer that he gives you just begs three other questions. Mm-hmm. And it takes you down this path where you feel that you know less about this man and there's more to be concerned about. And, you know, the mystery man was, you know, is the first profile in the book for a reason because, again, that was the motivation uh, for writing the book and, and some of the guys out there that I've met over the years that, that are a mystery and with the men that, that consciously deceive women. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what about, this is uh, the guy that I know a lot of women have dated, the underachiever. You know, it's the guy that, like you talked about earlier, he's switching jobs because the the next thing he's going to do is he's going to hit it out of the ballpark and he's going to be a big success. And it, it could also be the guy who's really, really smart, off the charts IQ, um, went to a, a very respectable college, um, but really never put anything to practical work. You know, so uh, he, he never um, really contributed anything that he could be proud of. And... You know, he's someone that seems to have so much potential but always fails over and over. And do you have the patience to support that person? And will you be able to rely on that person to help support the household? Mm-hmm. And then one more, the one you mentioned that you used to be the noncommittal. How can we tell if a man is going to be noncommittal? Well, the noncommittal can come in a lot of forms. It could be a guy who's uh, too young. It could be a guy who's, who's too old and has never been married and there's concern. Or it could be a guy that just is evasive, or he could be a, a playboy or even a player. And, um, you know, whatever form it is, is if, is if you find yourself smitten with this guy, is it, you know, you, you need to make sure that he's being honest with you and that he's not compromising your lifestyle and your plans. And you need to always know how much time is enough. And that's a variable depending on what aspirations you have. If you're a 32-year-old woman and you want to get married and have children, um, in your two years with Mr. Noncommittal, I, I think you need to hit the pressure point with him sooner rather than later and and at least have the opportunity to meet someone who's going to make a commitment to you and that be able to fulfill uh, one of your lifetime dreams, which is potentially to have children of your own. Uh, if you're someone 25 years old, I think you have more time. This is the guy's a good guy and he's finding himself and he's treating you right and he's being honest and forthright. Um, you have a little bit more time. If you're older and you're in your mid-40s and you already had your children or don't have any desire to have children, uh, I think, once again, you can afford to be um, a, a little bit more compromising and as long as there's good communications and you're honest with each other. Right. Okay. And so you also talk about exes, and you say that a woman shouldn't flaunt a new relationship in front of her ex. Why is that? Well, that's when we start getting into, like, the breakup and, uh, you know, ditching Mr. Wrong uh-huh. and hopes of finding the Mr. Right. And, you know, what you want to do is, is that, look, any, any relationship that ends, and we're, we're focusing today on, on romantic relationships, yeah. they're, they're painful. And they're usually painful for both parties, and, and often it's more painful for one. And you don't need to exacerbate, um, you know, the hurt by flaunting Mr. New Guy uh, you could take the high road and just keep your private life private. Mm. And obviously no sex with the ex. You know, there's the breakup and makeup sex, and a lot of times, you know, uh, women more so than men will confuse uh, intimacy and, and love. And, you know, guys can 
very easily have sex for fun. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have a degree in mathematics. Do you have a master's or a PhD? No, I have uh, I have dual bachelors in uh, mathematics from Hobart Williams Smith Colleges and an electrical engineering degree from Columbia University. Uh, okay, because my um, nephew, he's actually uh, getting his PhD in math, and uh, I know you'll appreciate this. I said to him, I'm like, okay, if you're so smart, why am I still single? And he says, I don't know. There's too many variables. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was. I think he was tossing you a little bit of abstract algebra, showing off. Yeah, no, I know, but he was right. You know, it's true. There's too many variables. But, um, anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. I think this will be a, a really good book to help women figure out with the, with the wrong guy, especially that dating litmus test. I think everyone should go to Ditching Mr. Wrong right now and take the list, uh, the test. It's free. Um, and then uh, yeah, again, and, and, it, and you don't even have to have a degree of mathematics because the scores are computed for you <laughs> automatically and compare with other people in different genres. Right. Okay. Again, the book is called Ditching Mr. Wrong, How to End a Bad Relationship and Find Mr. Right. So uh, thanks so much for being on. Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Have a Take good day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now I have a few minutes here to talk about something that happened to me this week. <laughs> and um, there's this, uh, I don't know what he is, not a friend. I mean, he's kind of a friend. He's more like a business associate, and that's how the relationship is. And so, um, you know, we do business together, and he sent me an email. He helped me with some stuff, and then at the end he wrote, oh, aren't I the best, aren't I your best friend in the world? Something like that. And I'm thinking, uh, no, you're not. So I didn't answer, right? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. And then a few days later, he helped me with something else. And then he wrote, do I ever let you down? And you know what? I didn't want to go there because <laughs> I thought now he's trying to make it like too personal. And so again, I didn't answer. And so the next day, I get another email. <laughs> and he wrote, and I quote, hey, how come you never answer my questions? They're all in good fun. You won't even have lunch or dinner with me, so you have to throw a dog, me, a bone once in a while. And I'm like, oh. And again, I didn't answer. <laughs> I'm very good at ignoring emails. So two hours after that email, I get a long email. I'm like, oh, no. And I know this has happened to people out there where they didn't answer someone's email or phone call or whatever, and all of a sudden they get the long email, or you've sent a long email because you were upset about something, and it's like, you know what? Don't do it. It does not make things better. It just makes you look desperate and needy, and the other person just goes, ew, and wants to get the heck away from you. And, you know, after, you know, I read this email, I'm like, oh my God. So let me read it to you. It says, I'm kind of just playing with you, but there's always some truth in the uh, fun in playing. I don't want to cause you any stress or trouble. I'm a no-drama kind of guy and very low-key. Um, note to everybody, if someone says they're not into drama, they're into drama. <laughs> because if you're not into drama, then you're not even going to be thinking about drama. That word is not even going to be in your lexicon. You know, like, I'm not into drama, even though I just have to say the word drama. <laughs> and so... I never say that. You know, it would be just like, okay, let's say, pick something crazy here. Let's say, okay, I'm definitely not into cocaine. <laughs> okay, so I never talk about cocaine, and I never go around saying, well, you know what, I'm not into cocaine. Well, obviously, you're not because you never say the word. So why would anyone think that, you know, 
no one would ever think I'm into cocaine because I never talk about it. And so just remember in the future, if anyone ever says I'm not into drama, watch them carefully because they probably are. And, you know, I mean, this whole friggin' email is drama. <laughs> uh, I don't want to, uh, okay. I would have talked to you, I would, would rather have talked to you, but there's never any time to talk to you. Uh, yeah, there's time. I just don't want to talk to you. Okay. All right. You don't have to worry about me ever asking you out or um, out to eat as I already did. And you said, no, I learned my lesson. Well, apparently not because you're complaining about it. I realized you categor categorized me as TT, the troll. No, I did. He said that to himself. Uh, to be kept under the bridge, never to be seen in public, uh, kept in the dark, kept in a closet. We all categorize people automatically, whether we realize it or not. I would never put myself or you in that position again. I have a lot of pride. Then why are you writing this email? And I value our friendship too much to do so. It would have been nice to sit across with you and just talk, but I don't think that will ever happen. I promise you I would not have embarrassed you. All manners would have been in place, and I would have brought you a gift. Always a gift. I promise I would not have slurped out of a bowl or chewed like a cow. <laughs> yeah, like that was my main concern. Anyway, that's what's on my mind. I've been wanting to ask you why you won't have dinner with me. Oh, somewhere I thought I might have earned that. You could do worse, you know. I like you very much, and I like our friendship the way it is. Well, if you like it the way it is, then why are you asking me out to dinner when I've already turned you down, okay? So he's contradicting himself. I hope you do too and still uh, want to continue the way it is. I like you very much, your friend and troll. So this was just too much drama. <laughs> for me. And honestly, my first response was to write, you know what, this is getting out of control. And I think that maybe, you know, I don't know if I want to deal with you anymore. But being older and wiser, I've learned to not go with your first response, because that's usually the ego. And so I did, of course, what I've been doing the whole time. And I ignored the email. <laughs> so that's like four emails I've ignored. He was he must have been going nuts. But you know what? You put yourself in that position by continuing to write emails to people who don't respond. Hello. That's like continuing to text someone who doesn't respond. Then you're like, well, why didn't you respond? And then they don't respond. Did you get my last text? And then they don't respond. You know, I don't know why you're not responding. <laughs> and the other person's like, shut up. Stop texting me. Okay. So then, so that was um, on Friday. Yesterday morning, I wake up and there's another email. Gee, what a surprise. I knew I knew he was going to send another email, which is why I didn't respond. And this time, luckily, it was short. And he wrote, everything's fine. I've settled it in my mind last night and slept like a baby. <laughs> Just talk to me. That's all I have with you. So I'm like, ugh. Um, I'm like, good. I'm glad everything's fine. Although, I don't know. I finally answered and I wrote back, um, you know, I, uh, I don't think of you as ugly, so don't be, no, no, I said, just because I don't want to hang out with you doesn't mean I think you're ugly, so don't be so hard on yourself. And, you know, that was it, short and sweet. I mean, I wasn't going to go into this whole long, well, la, 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 which is what he wanted. He was trying to draw something. He was trying to get something from me because, a response, because He's spending so much time and energy thinking about me that he wants something back, which is what I always say to mainly women, because it's usually women who are sending emails and things like this, uh, and guys over 40, yes, because they are losing their testosterone, and I'm sorry, but that's what happens. Uh, the w guys over 40, 
they uh, start acting like women. And this guy, yes, he's over 40. Um, and yeah, so the women, you know, they spend so much time thinking about the guy and then any little thing he does, they get upset and they're like, well, why didn't you do this? And then that's when the guy backs up and goes, oop, you know, get me out of here. You know, if someone is upset over some little thing that you did, then you know that they are really into you. You know, people always ask, okay, how do I know if he likes me? How do I know if she likes me? Well, if she gets upset, if he gets upset over some non-issue, like uh, a friend of mine, another friend of mine over 40, who is it to me, um, and they should know better because <laughs> whatever. Okay. Um, you know, you know, we write emails, and I don't always use salutations. I've known this guy for almost 20 years, so I'm not going to always put, hi, la, 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 email, email, and then yours truly, or whatever, you know, best. You know, I just sometimes skip that. It's like, whatever, we're friends. And he's like, you know, you could use salutations in your emails once in a while. I'm like, what? <laughs> and again, it's because he is thinking about me I'm not reciprocating and so he's trying to get something out of me and so I responded with you know what I think you're in love with me and he wrote back oh that's the stupidest thing you ever said to me or that's the craziest thing you ever said to me and then of course a couple of days later uh I think you're right <laughs> there you go hello don't mess with the dating expert I know what's up okay so thank you so much for joining me today and I'd like to thank my guest Nicholas um oh god Aritakis <laughs> author of Ditching Mr. Wrong, and of course the website, ditchingmrwrong.com. My book is at lessonsoflove.net. You can read a free excerpt there. If you like my show, please be sure to spread the word. If you don't, spread the word anyways. Maybe someone else will like it. My website to sign up for my free weekly newsletter is theartoflove.net. And in the meantime, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and wait for it enlightens you're listening to the art of love with your host lucia right here on la talk radio